Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks and welcome back to my favourite time of the week. And I thought in this time of unprecedented global pandemic and so much change going on, that I'd review uh, some of the things I've been learning during this time and also the 60 podcasts that I've done so far and the variety of different leaders that I've learned so much from and their lessons from crisis. I love John Lennon's quote, life is what happens when you're making other plans. And life is compulsory, we're living it, but learning from the experience and the mistakes that we make is optional. So life is compulsory, but learning from it is optional. What I'm finding more than ever in these crises, people are desperately looking for leadership, but some, certainly the big corporations and maybe some of the smaller ones are going, we've got to have cash flows king, we've got to save, 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 cut anything to do with leadership development, coaching and helping these leaders in this time of crisis. I think that's a big mistake. And the finer leaders and the finer organisations realise they've got to keep learning and growing. They haven't got the finished article at all. They're work in progress. They're the incomplete leader with the complete team. I found the mnemonic from David Rock in his book about neuroscience and how we think SCARF to be very helpful for innovation and creativity and SCARF stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness and fairness. Status, can you lift the status of the person you're with so they feel better about themselves and they think well while reducing yours in a modest way? Um, certainty. This is such a time of great uncertainty. People don't know what's happening next month, let alone next year. How can they plan on that? Autonomy. Give them as much um, autonomy as they can so they think for themselves. Relatedness. Create an environment which is uh, more friendship, virtual team meetings. And finally, F. Fairness. Always ensure that things are fair. A book I found very helpful during this time is Leadership is Language by Admiral David Marquet. I loved his book, Turn the Ship Around. He's a submariner and admiral. And some great things that I'm going to mention some of his stuff now. He talks about beware the power gradient, the hierarchy that goes on in, in organisations with status, with symbolism, and who speaks and who's afraid of speaking. I'm finding with some of my clients, they're talking about Neds who don't uh, challenge the chairman or the CEO or execs who don't challenge the CEO and the CEO's power or the chairman's power grows too much. And this is the time that we need to mention the elephant in the room because um, there's too much coercion and control to comply going on. And sometimes there's a misuse. And what people think is motivation and inspiration that they're giving is in fact manipulation and coercion. Make sure you're not doing that or you're not suffering from that. The best approach to mitigate the power gradient, flatten the hierarchy wherever you can, is the first point. The second one, admit when you don't know as a leader. Don't be the know-it-all and be more vulnerable 
as a leader. When you as a leader admit that you don't know, then it makes it OK for others in your team to admit that they don't know. Because otherwise people will blindly blunder on pretending they know when they don't and then the mistakes will mount up. But also by admitting that you don't know as the perfect godlike or goddess-like being, you allow someone more junior to say, actually, I do know. And you go, great, bring it on, bring on the idea. And um, so don't be arrogant. Too many leaders I know are incredibly arrogant. They think they know it all. They're the answer man or the answer woman. Don't be that. Uh, draw out from people. So say, for example, we're on uncharted waters. This, this global pandemic, we've never been in it before. I don't have all the answers. What do you think? Let's work on this together. Because as a leader, you've got to create psychological safety. It's a key, a key concept which builds uh, trust within people and they feel that they can be appropriately vulnerable and expose themselves by sharing ideas and things which may not work. And the way you handle it will determine whether there is psychological safety or will you crush it completely and people just go, it's not safe to step up here. I'm not going to do that. I watched what happened to him. I had that happen when I was a company commander with a commanding officer who just destroyed any opposition to his um, ego. The leader should trust first is another good one. Always assume positive intent from somebody. Were they trying their best and just made an error? Or did they have evil intent and tended to destroy the organisation? Rarely is it the second. Um, perhaps it's an issue of competence and training and development. Or were you not clear enough in what you said to them? So have the attitude that I trust you were trying to do your best and it didn't work out. Now, take me through your thinking. Different mindsets. Your attitude defines your altitude is a great uh, saying. But David Marquet talks about this. Have you got a be good or get better mindset. The be good mindset is you are already perfect. You don't want to be challenged at all. You get very defensive to justify a decision that you've made. And it's also what he calls um, approve mindset. Is it, are you in a be good and approve mindset? Or are you in a get better mindset where you realize you can constantly improve? So you've got improve mindset, get better. And finally, I thought I'd end with Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities, which I think is very relevant. While this was in 1859 and we're now in 2020, I think it encapsulates what's going on for us. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. So you choose. Choose your attitude. Choose to lead. Don't avoid it and keep developing yourself. Jim Richardson, I enjoyed his interview very much and a couple I took away from him. One of his quotes was, bad news never gets better with age. The other one is think about finances. Uh, many people think about short-term savings. They cut everything. 
but actually think of near cash and far cash because if you if you buy cheap you buy twice and as Oscar Wilde says avoid knowing the price of everything yet the value of nothing so think about value as well as price when you're making some tough decisions he also said build in spare capacity and recovery time and holidays i'm finding the people i'm working with we're now at month three uh, and this is just the early chapter of the crisis and the pandemic and the economic impact of it it's going to be going on for months if not years so you've got to pace yourself people are going at this like it's a sprint and they're running out of energy. People are getting exhausted, their mental health is being affected and their decision-making is becoming very questionable. And what Jim said when he was in places like Afghanistan and Iraq um, was that run at 80 to 90% capacity so that you can surge up to 100% when you have a major crisis. But when you're in something that's a crisis all the time, you can't keep at that pace. So you have to drop down in your level to 80 or 90%, have holidays, have breaks, ensure people do take long weekends or a couple of weeks in the summer, even though they may be at home, but they've got to be switching off from the work. So when they come back, they're refreshed and raring to go. And also people say, oh, well, you know, be careful, we mustn't overtrain or, or, or overdevelop our people. You can never overtrain and uh, keep up your leadership learning. This is a lifelong journey. Uh, some of the things from David Marquet in his book, uh, Leadership is Language, that's the name of the book. Um, what could, would or should I do? Um, if you've got a problem, check with some other people, get some ideas from them. You have no monopoly on good ideas. You've got to make use of other people around you. So ask them, firstly, what could I do? Hear, to, hear their opinions. Secondly, if you were me, what would you do? and listen to their opinions there. And thirdly, what should I do? And gather that information, it will really help you in your own thinking so you're not rigid and um, get caught in this next problem, which is bewaring over, um, no, escalation of commitment. And that's a phenomena where you keep pushing on with the decision, which is a bad decision, where all the information you're getting is telling you it's a bad decision, but you push on with it because you feel you've already psychologically committed to it and your face will be lost uh, if you don't carry on with it and people will doubt your ability to lead. Bad decision. Look at the US presence and the Vietnam War where they kept over committing to that and kept going with it when it was clearly never going to work. They were playing the finite game, the Vietnamese were playing the infinite game and they would, Americans would always lose on that. Theresa May on Brexit decisions when she was getting voted down in Parliament, but she kept pushing on without learning from it. And the El Faro, which was part of the story David Marquet talks about, which was this huge tanker which sailed straight into the eye of a hurricane because the captain had committed to keep going that way when actually he had options to veer off and not go into the eye of the hurricane. But he and all 31 on board died because of this escalation of commitment. He kept reinforcing a bad decision. To avoid reinforcing a bad decision, think about who is the decision maker and who is the decision evaluator. Don't have them as the same person. It's like the danger of being a CEO and a chairman of the same organisation. There needs to be decision maker and decision evaluator. Get decisions made as, as far down the chain of command as you can do. Have the information and the decisions being made at the same point. 
get that to the right point. And then, say, if you've got someone more junior making decisions, then allow someone more senior or yourself to be the decision evaluator. And not in a way that you crush people, but you just check in with, with the decisions that they're making and that they don't suffer from this escalation of commitment. Rarely should you both evaluate and decide on some of these key decisions, getting somebody else involved in it. Uh, another thing David Marquet talks about is intent. It's really clear that you're clear on your intent, the outcome that you want. Let them get on with the actual execution of it and check what their intent is. Hear back from them. Have a decision point. Have a break point when you can review it. Um, with that, he talked about don't give instructions, give information. Um, by giving instructions, you're being very coercive with the people you're with. And I know I've done this. I've been to military like in the old school military as opposed to the more modern one where I've given people instructions. So be back at 1030. Don't be late. Uh, I'll start the session at 1030. Make sure you're there um, or don't be late. So, you know, be back at 1030. Uh, the better one is to give information. I'm starting at 1030. Leave it at that. They then face the consequences of the decisions that they make. Um, moving from coercion to collaboration, uh, David Marquet talks about four tips that are very useful. Um, tip one, vote first. Rather than have a discussion and then vote at the end when you've actually narrowed everything down, vote first, which gets the, the most kind of divergent thinking going on and use a technique of fist to five so how how ready are we to launch this product? Not ready at all, completely ready. And then you pick out the ones who've perhaps given the lowest scores and ask them, what's your thinking behind that? And why, why do you believe that? Not why do you, what's your thinking behind that uh, to, to give you that score? So then you, you start with that ability to dissent rather than going with why are you at a five, why you think it's a really good idea? And then the others feel intimidated by that. So one, vote first. Two, be curious, not compelling. Really draw people out. Try and understand their point of view. See it from um, how they see things. Third one, third one, invite dissent. Don't drive consensus that you insist that they all do it your way. And the fourth one we've talked about, give information, not instructions. Um, so talk about what are we going to do, but what are we going to learn? And ask other people, how do you see things? Test things with a hunch. Uh, this is my hypothesis. Experiment with it. Let's prove it or disprove it. We need information to confirm it or deny it. And let's have a decision point at this stage. A uh, couple of quotes. I'm a great believer in luck. The harder I work, the more of it I seem to have. Coleman Cox, 1920. Uh, share of voice. Beware you having the major share of voice in meetings. Make sure it's more equal. This is why we do rounds in any of the virtual meetings that I have. Good ideas have no have merit, not rank. Argue the idea, not the person. That's from Jonathan Shaw. And the other thing is leadership is getting people what uh, leadership is getting people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. General Jonathan Shaw. Consumer capitalism. People are persuaded to spend money we don't have on things we don't need to create impressions that won't last on people we don't care about. Economist Professor Tim Jackson. And I find in these tough times with less money around, I'm buying less stuff. So beware consumer capitalism. Finally, these are rough times uh, from 
uh, Ryan Holiday. Uh, again, times are always rough for someone, if not us, then for somebody else. And according to Sto Stoics, that means it's rough for everybody. What's bad for the hive is bad for the bee, said um, the Emperor Marcus Aurelius, meaning we're all in this together. Our fates are all tied with one another, whether it's Black Lives Matter or however you approach it. We're all in this together. Each of us has agency in this life. Our fates are all tied up with one another. E um, even through adversity, even through bad times or tough problems that have befallen us. Our job as citizens and as leaders is to seize our own agencies and help others realize their own. In this, we help them and ourselves. We help the hive by helping the individual. And by helping the hive, we protect ourselves and the people we care most about. Good luck in these challenging times. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, Get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.